You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Lead to Soar episode. And, well, have I got a treat for you today because today is episode da 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 100 of the Lead to Soar podcast. Woohoo! And today I am not flying solo. No, I'm not flying duo with my amazing podcasting pal, Mel Butcher, but I'm flying in a quad because today I've got Mel. We normally do this together. I have Amal Yusuf and I have Susan Colantuno. So you've got. I don't know what the double of the dynamic duo is, but we've got their amazing four women who are the co-hosts of Lead to Soar here on the pod today to celebrate the fact that we've achieved this milestone. So amazing, my amazing sisters in solidarity for advancing women. It's so good to have you here. Susan, hi. Hi, it's so great to be here and I want to congratulate you and Mel on this 100th episode, and especially Mel, because this was your baby, your brainchild. And <laughs> wow, 100 episodes in the can. Amazing, awesome, well done. The two of you have made such a huge contribution to the world of women and leaders who care about advancing women through the podcast. Thanks, Susan. Hey, Amal, great to have you here with us. Hi, thank you for having me. Again, congratulations. I, I echo everything that Susan said. I think it's evident it takes significant amount of time and dedication and commitment to make these podcast episodes um, and record them and come up with content. I can only imagine the effort that has gone into a hundred episodes, right? But I also think it is a testament that this podcast has been able to sustain itself for a significant amount of time. And you're able to attract and retain loyal audiences who are listening to your message, are interested in the content, and hopefully are taking that and conquering the world with every word that you've, you've of advice that you've um, you've shared with them. Well, we couldn't have done it alone, and, and certainly you, Amal, and Susan have been on the show multiple times and have contributed your wisdom and. So it's thanks to women like you and our other guests who've come on and been willing to share and help us all grow. So thank you. Thanks, Amal. And Mel, I mean, you introduced me to the world of podcasting as a podcaster and, you know, you helped me bring a whole bunch of things to life. So thank you for being you and being my pal in podcasting and teaching me so much over the last hundred episodes and more. But I guess for you, what are your <laughs> reflections on, on the 100 episodes? Well, I want to say that it's in your blood. All I had to do was nudge you towards the microphone, right? So that, that was easy. This is the third show that I've worked on, the third like podcast show. And one thing that's really special to me, just kind of echoing what we were just talking about, is having collaborators. I couldn't have done this on my own. And working with you all, especially you, Michelle, has been a real privilege. So thank you. And I'm incredibly proud of this free resource that we've made and grateful for everyone involved that's helped us build this over time. So it's been a really refreshing and gratifying experience. 
Thanks, Mel. And I, I think you're right about the microphone because I did harbour a dream to be the lead singer of the Rolling Stones, but I, <laughs> you know, I think, well, there's a sheer lack of talent. I cannot sing a note and, and B, well, let's just leave the B to we know why I'm not. So I think this is the next best thing. I've got a microphone and an audience. So thank you for unleashing my inner Mick Jagger, anyway. So that's, um, can, I just want to say something <laughs> funny. I've never known that about you. Oh, but, my God. So here's my corollary. I used to sit in front of my window with the window open in my bedroom and sing out into the world wishing that I would be discovered <laughs> as a singer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I do. Oh, <laughs> I do remember singing as a child and thinking, "Oh, you know," saying to my mum, "Do you think opera singing?" And she just said, "No, darling." And I thought, oh, "Okay, fair enough." Mind you, I also wanted to be the president of the United States, so that was another conversation I had with my mum. And she said, "Okay, so." <laughs> can't because you're not an American citizen, but have a think about politics in Australia. So there you go. We all have these dreams that we harbour. Anyway, enough about my ridiculous childhood dreams, but it is a milestone. And this podcast has served many purposes. And we started off, and as we've done with the whole Lead to Soar network, the whole Lead to Soar community, is we've God, I was trying to think of a word other than pivot because I hate pivot, but we have pivoted. We have turned around. We have changed. Iterated. That's it, God. (laughs) We've iterated over time. So the way we started out and with the purpose that we had has iterated. We have changed and we have evolved. If I ask you all to think about some of your favourite experiences or this, not even favourite, but those standout experiences or feedback that you've had about the podcast. And dear listeners, yes, we are doing a retro here and we are doing some shameless self-promotion because you know what, if we don't, who will? And and that's what we talk to women about uh, an awful lot. So as you consider the podcast, what are the things that stand out for you and and why? Susan, I'm going to throw to you first. Because you and I kicked off with the very first episode. Yes, we did. I'm gratified. So I only hop in and out of the podcasts. And yet, within the Lead to Soar community, every time we put up a podcast that the two of you have worked on and or other guests or all four of us, the feedback from our members is resoundingly positive. And I think part of the reason for that is because of our focus on working hard to present actionable content, as well as a broader context. So yeah, people, you said earlier, keep us in their ears. People take action based on what we have to say and come back into the community and tell us about the successes that have have arisen from those actions. Mel and Amal, I'm, I'm interested in your view about that and the impact we have on our communities. But the whole thing with podcasting is you don't see your audience. I mean, yes, we can look at some statistics and things, but we don't see our audience. But every now and then we'll get some feedback. So building on on what Susan said, what's what are your reflections on that? Building on what Susan said, we had this experience really recently inside the Lead to Sword Network on our weekly coaching call. And for new listeners, 
we host a, an open coaching call every week for Lead to Soar members. Anybody can hop on and get support, ask questions, etc. And on this recent call, nobody had a really pressing sort of issue or question they wanted to discuss. And that's rare. But one of the members said, basically, I listened to your loyalty is for Labrador's episode, and it really unlocked some new understanding for me. And it helped me rethink how I'm approaching my career and how I have a mindset around my employer and where I want to go with my career. So that kind of feedback is obviously gratifying. And I think it's really squarely why we do what we do. Yeah. And I appreciated that we then spent an hour discussing that episode with six or eight women who were on the call, which was, you know, it was kind of like a book club, but a podcast club, you know, so it was good to tease out some of those things and challenge long held beliefs. And I think we're helping women through that to challenge their long held beliefs about women, work, leadership, power, all sorts of things. What about you, Amal? So I think I echo both what Mel and Susan said, and, and I'm going to add to that, that for me, I think the podcast has been able to support and be in tune in with my different work personalities, I'm going to call them, and then offer me insights on how to handle different situations, right? Like, I feel like it met me where I was and where I am today in my workplace journey and provide me insights. Like, for example, there were some days when I was the person interviewing someone for a job and I listened to an episode of the podcast where we talked about the status of the workforce and what to expect from candidates. And when I was being the person interviewed, I tuned in so that I can listen to and get perspective on how to gain competitive advantage, right? How, do, how can I showcase my business strategic and financial acumen in interviews? I can just go and search and say, I'm looking for this episode, get the episode, listen to it. And address exactly the journey that I'm on at that moment in the workplace. And I found that to be very unique and very, you know, very insightful because again, it, it was not Amal's perspective. It was different perspectives, not only from Mel and not only from Michelle, it was the perspectives from guests who came and talked about their experiences. And for me, I would say that's the most impactful. I appreciate that Amal and you know, I think one of the things around the catalogue of episodes that we've put together is that, yes, they're episodic. So, you know, we record them week in or release them week in, week out, occasional break, what have you, but they stand the test of time and you can go back, you know, and pull out what you need when you need it. And I think this is one of the many unique premises of Lead to Soar in its entirety, you know, it's a multi-resource platform, is that we're positioning ourselves to be there when you need us for the thing you need us for. What I want to tease out of that, though, and before we go on to what's happening for women right now in the workforce, one more reflection on, and I suppose this is the thing that really drives me, is moving away from the conventional advice that's still given to women in all sorts of media, including podcasts. So when you look at the business lists in podcasting platforms, there's not a lot of women there. Mel had a, a head explosion moment a few months ago of going, where are all the business books by women? So this is a business podcast to support women. 
can I ask for your reflections on the conventional advice versus the advice we're giving? I'm going to throw to you, Susan, because you are the, the initiator of that. Ha, I just finished writing something today about the conventional advice to women about be confident, get a mentor, network, speak up, be assertive, develop executive presence, get a sponsor as if you can just get a sponsor. And I am eternally grateful for the two of you to have created the Lead to Soar podcast in such a way that we we use the conventional guidance, which does have value, but we leap beyond it and introduce concepts, as you were saying, Michelle, that challenge people's thinking about them. So yes, be confident. But you know what? If you don't have business strategic and financial acumen, you have no platform for confidence or credibility. So I think it's the most positive, unique thing about the Lead to Soar podcast is we go beyond conventional wisdom. Mm, Thank you. What about you, Amal? What do I say after Susan? (laughs) I think from my perspective, a lot of times it's interesting how conventional advice has changed through the years, right? At the beginning, it was dress modestly, be polite and be accommodating. And then at some point we got into be assertive, lean in and, and take your seat at the table seriously. And I think a lot of times the conventional advice that's given to women, it actually reinforces a lot of stereotypes. So in the lead to sort format, as I like to call it, you are challenged to start being your true authentic self, which I'm very passionate about, but also aligning your values with the values of the organization, right? At the end of the day, we are working in a corporate environment. There is every corporation has a brand and it's a matter of how do you align with those values and those brands without alienating your own brand and your own values, and that for me, if I, if I look back in the last, you know, two, three years of my journey and what I've gained from this platform and being with the women and hearing everything that women have to say is that we don't have to accept conventional. We don't have to accept advice and say, this is how it's always been done. And I think, Michelle, this might have been you who said this. I've always had the notion that I want to see somebody who looks like me in a leadership position or a senior leadership position, and that will help me understand that I can get there. And I think one time you said, well, that that's not necessary. Why don't you become the person who is the first time doer? Like, I think you talked earlier about being president. I've wanted to become the president of the United States. And I was told that since I was not U.S. born, I couldn't. And I'm like, maybe I can change the rules sometime and then I can be seven years old in the first <laughs> you know, African-born U.S. presidents, you never know. So take take the advice, turn it, make it your own, and let's change the world in meaningful ways. Why not? Love it. Love it. Mel, what about you? Well, I'll share a recent experience. So we're recording this about two months out from our second annual summit, and I got a question not long ago, basically that, hey, my leadership is interested in sending me to your training, but they want to know what else is out there and kind of what the implication of why this training, what makes it different. And so I thought, well, I can help you with that. I'll go and I'll look at other training courses that are targeting women. And 
I'll kind of parse out what are they talking about. And it was enlightening and really disappointing because I consistently found in these programs that there's still a lot of cliche topics being covered around things like confidence and executive presence. And I audited courses from individual coaches all the way to incredibly expensive university executive programs. And it was consistently like this across all of these. There was hardly anything, and in some cases, no reference to anything with respect to business, strategic, or financial acumen. So that really clarified for me that there's still a lot of opportunity for us out there to provide support and really start to move the ship in the right direction. Yes. Enlightening and frightening, I would say, because frightening, we are still so far away from closing the global gender gap across a whole bunch of dimensions. And when you bring that into the global leadership gender gap, which of course is going to close the overall, help close the overall gender gaps around the world, we're still so far away. And we know that the missing 33% is missing. Yes, it may be missing in women's skill sets, but we're very, very clear. We're not about fixing women but it is missing from the advice, the coaching, the materials, the magazines, the articles, the podcasts that women are exposed to around what it's going to take to get you into the C-suite. I acknowledge that not every woman wants to be a CEO. I would encourage you to think about it though, but we want leadership and we want women in leadership and They're not going to get there unless the system changes and part of that system is exposing women to the right information, the right information givers and the opportunity to, as you said, Amal, to take a seat at the table. So I'm really glad that we are continuing our our crusade to expose women to these critical skills, not only what they are, but how to get them. For me, that's my reflection on our 100 episodes and our platform Let's have a a quick chat about what's going on for women in the workplace right now. I've got one that's making my head explode, but I'm going to hold that to the end because it most certainly falls into conventional wisdom. So what is happening in the workplace for women in the paid workforce that we should be paying attention to? And as leaders, what should we be paying attention to? Amal, let's go to you first. I think there's two or maybe three things that I've noticed and and some of it, I'm going to be honest, is a bit frustrating and sometimes deflating. And one of the big ones is that women, at least in the circles that I've been moving in, whether that's at work or in the community, they don't know what to do with the right advice, right? There's, they've been conditioned to work and sort of operate within specific parameters that they feel like circling outside the box or, you know, painting outside the box is not something that is allowed. It is not going to get them ahead. It's going to give them, you know, the wrong reputation at work. And I've had to challenge that many times to say, listen, at the end of the day, when you are working in an organization, your job is to move that business forward. How you move it forward 
could be from A to B to C. And that's the advice you've always received. And if you're comfortable with that, you can do that. But you can also go to from A, skip B and jump to C and still accomplish the same accomplishment. So I think one big one for me is women at times are the reason why they're being held back. You need to be confident in your abilities. You need to ask for more. You need to assert yourself and say, no, I am not going to do the office housework that we always talk about. And no, John, why don't you get us water and coffee today? And give yourself the permission to go to work and be a businesswoman and operate in the business sense. Because guess what? When you come home and even in my house, I always make, make a joke of this and say, I'm always in the kitchen for 30 days and only in Ramadan when everyone's fasting because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to collect as many good deeds as I can. Right? And then on day 31, I am out of that kitchen and I never see it again for the next 11 months. Right? And some people in my community would say that that is not normal, that women should not behave that sense. But guess what? That has worked for me. It works in my household. You know, I have been married for close to 20 years, so... It seems to be working, right? I didn't, I'm not divorced and my husband didn't leave because I wasn't cooking the other 11 months of, of the year. So I would say sometimes you're being too difficult to yourselves. Calm down, be a businesswoman, be about the business, be all for the business, and then walk home and go do the things that you're passionate about with your kids and your families and your friends and your colleagues, right? The other thing that I've noticed that is frustrating for me is that there's so many hurdles and challenges and difficulties within the system that has been built years and years and years ago that sometimes it just seems like you are fighting a battle that you can never win. And it took me a minute to reflect and say, okay, how can Amal chip away, not eat the whole elephant, but chip away and eat small bites of the elephant? And I think that's how everybody should start thinking about this. We're not going to solve world, you know, hunger in one day. We're not going to solve women's issues in the world in one day. But if you make one change that is within your control, that multiplier is what is going to help us move the needle. I want to ask Susan and Mel to weigh in on both points. But point number one first, because you've both spoken about the internal identity shift that needs to occur in women who want to advance. You're saying to us, Amal, we're getting in our own way. How do we get out of our own damn way? And what does that take? It's a really important one. And part of this is unlearning the stuff that you've been, as I say, marinated in since you were born as a woman. Absolutely. Susan, Mel, do you want to weigh in on that one? Because I think there's some real actionable advice that we can give to listeners who might be thinking, I'm not going to step forward. I'm not going to put my hand up. I'm not going to challenge the status quo. I'm not going to paint outside the box, as Amal so beautifully described it. Who wants to go first? Sure. Well, I mean, I'll go, but I'm going to point back at Susan here. So I don't have the book within reach right now, but... In Susan's book, No Ceiling, No Walls, there's this discussion at the beginning that hits on what we're talking about here. And I want to be really clear that we're not talking about fixing women. What we're talking about is dismantling the idea that there's a meritocracy and that you can work really hard with your head down and everything will work out. You'll get those raises and promotions that you deserve. That's simply not true. 
And at the same time, it is true that we need to take on the mindset that we are for the business. And in my mind, this is a little bit to do with shifting from, I have a job, I'm owed a job, I just am going to show up and do the bare minimum, and that's my job at the end, versus the idea of being for the business and showing up to serve the business's ultimate goals. Whatever those strategic and long-term goals are, your job, your role exists for a reason to contribute to those goals and outcomes. So that's the mindset shift. And I've been thinking about this other line that I heard in a podcast somewhere else where two women are, are in the bathroom. This is something that really happened. And I haven't quite like leveled all my thoughts on this yet. Maybe this is something we can talk about on another episode or a live, but basically they're washing their hands and one woman, she finishes washing her hands and she gets the paper towels out, dries her hands. And then she uses a paper towel to clean the surface. And the other woman basically said, well, why are you doing that? And she said, well, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. I need to sit with that a little longer to think about that. I think there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere that we can all use in some way in our life. How are we showing up? And another disclaimer here, we're not talking about if you're in a toxic workplace, that's a different situation. And you can listen to a couple episodes on that. But for the most part, if you're in a decent work environment, maybe think about how you're showing up in service of that business or organization. I want to build on that because to Amal's point and Michelle's question about how do we do our internal mind shift? I think you said the way I do anything is the way I do everything. Is that? That was kind of the saying. So I talk about putting on your mantle of leadership. And I used to, when I did live workshops, one of the things that I used to do on the second day after everybody kind of knew each other and they weren't absolutely going to be traumatized by this, I'd say, let's start the day by going around and introducing yourselves to each other. And what I want you to say is, hi, I'm Susan Colantuna and I am a leader. The way I do anything is the way I do everything. If I show up with the internalized message that I am a leader, I will be a leader. And as Longtime listeners of our podcast know our definition of leadership applies at every level. Oftentimes women hear the word leader and they think of the executive team and, well, you know, I'm not a leader, but yes, all of us are leaders. All of us have a chance to further the organization's outcomes, as you were saying, Mel, in terms of being for the business. We can all do it by engaging the greatness in others, whether they're our peers or if we're in management positions, direct reports, colleagues, customers, executives, people up the organization, whatever, and doing that by standing on our personal greatness. So uh, one actionable piece of advice is to wake up every day and say, good morning, world. I am a leader. I love that. And I want to add you made me think of this when you used the phrase engaging the greatness in others. You know, listeners, think about someone 
who has tapped into your greatness, somebody who has really helped you grow or become better in some way in your life. And I have to imagine that you're going to be thinking of people, you're going to be capable of thinking of people in your past that have engaged your greatness that didn't have authority over you, right? This is not about having a title or authority. You're capable of engaging the greatness in others today. Lots of wisdom there and actionable insights. And the things I want to pull out of there, Mel, one of the quotes that has stuck with me that you said really early on was moving up begins in your own mind first. And I know that that was advice that you got from a strategic mentor. And Amal, I think what you're describing is that, you know, we actually have to have that internal identity shift and get out of our own damn way. So that moving up that begins in your own mind first. And part of that is I am for the business. Now this assumes one wants to advance and one wants leadership. If one wants to go to work and kind of do a job that's transactional, come home, yeah, knock yourselves out. You're probably not going to be listening to this podcast anyway. But anyway, <laughs> but if you want a career, you want to move up, you want to contribute at more senior levels, yes, you have to get out of your own damn way and then start thinking beyond that transactional relationship. So be for the business. And you can find out more about being for the business when you read Susan's book, No Ceiling, No Walls. And then, Susan, what you've told us is that self-talk. Now, we're often taught women stand up and do the power pose and put your big girl panties on and all that kind of stuff that is conventional wisdom fake it till you make it you know I kind of have a checkered relationship with fake it till you make it but if you stand up every morning and say I am a leader and you show up as a leader that's part of shifting that internal which of course you know let's face it we've all got internalized misogyny and patriarchy because we've been taught to and this is a part of unlearning the things that we've been told to learn as women over the course of our life a really easy thing to do leaders and Susan you'll be pleased to know that I still probably traumatize women but get them to do that that exercise in live workshops um, because it's super super important and you can just see women going oh my god what is she going to get us to do next I'm going yep this is what I'm going to get you to do next so oh, I love that really really good advice folks we are almost at time, but I think, you know, it would be really useful, Susan and Mel, to get a summary of what you think are some key issues that we want to pay attention to. And I'm being strategic when I ask you to do this, because I think for Mel and I, we're going to pull these pieces out and explore them more in later episodes. So what are the things that are happening? What are the things that are happening in contemporary workplaces that you're seeing and observing and want to pay attention to, Susan? The things that came to mind when you asked me to think about this aren't actually in workplaces, but they are of workplaces. So one of the things is the excess visibility that women who have left significant positions of authority have been dealing with. I'm thinking of the CEO of YouTube. And when she announced her resignation, there was a lot of anger directed at her. And she's one of many women. There is this broad 
pattern of women leaving in greater numbers than they are being replaced. It's a big issue. When men leave, nothing is said of it. And I can remember that when Andrea Young was CEO of Avon, Warren Buffett said to her, because she was talking about the normal tenure of a CEO is around 10 years. The CEO of YouTube, she's been there at least that long, if not longer. Anyway, he said, look, if you're going to stay beyond that, you have to imagine that you're your successor. And if someone is at a point in her career where she thinks that she's done all she can for the organization, then fine. She should leave and she will go on and do other great things. So that's one thing that came to mind that I'd love to have more podcast discussion on. The other thing is I am absolutely feeling crushed by the ongoing research into what holds women back and crushed on two fronts. One is that it's unrelenting and there's so much that's not new. And that just kind of infuriates me. It's like every graduate student going to Harvard wants to do a study on something that's already been studied and it really drives me crazy. But the other thing is that there's new stuff. Like Amy Deal just pointed me to a study that says that now overweight women are paid less than women who aren't overweight and overweight men don't suffer at all. So what I want to say about that kind of echoes something Amal said earlier, be you and go after your dreams. There will always be challenges. Men face challenges, but they should never act as barriers. They might be speed bumps along the way, but find your way, as Amal was saying, you know, go from A to C. And don't let all the stuff that's coming at us, it's, it's almost like this research is yet another form of misogyny and patriarchy coming at us. Those were the two things that popped into my head and prep for tonight. Mm, cool. It's really interesting. What do you pay attention to? What don't you pay attention to in terms of you know, are we being socialized in a really stealthy way? And I always say the patriarchy is sneaky. How are we being socialized? Oh, my God, it's just too hard, so I'm not going to try. Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting one. Thanks, Susan. Mel, what are you paying attention to at the moment? Well, I think we're starting to see some research around women exiting the workforce during COVID and a lot of that having to do with lack of access to appropriate child care. So child care that fits the hours that they need, child care that's affordable, etc. So that's a, a heartbreaking sort of thing that we're seeing. And I'm curious to see more research as it comes out on that and just how women have been affected in the workforce in general from COVID. Beyond that, I do some work that's specifically in the AEC space, architecture, engineering, and construction. And there was pre-COVID research there that women in those fields exit at a faster rate than their male counterparts. And if I had to guess, I would say that's going to be exacerbated by COVID. So this is definitely anecdotal, but I saw this in my own work experience. I saw women exiting engineering during COVID 
oftentimes because they had kids that needed care. I would be curious to learn if that has been exacerbated. You know, the bigger point that I want to bring to bear on that is there are more women today than ever before making it through these rigorous education and training programs for things like engineering and becoming scientists, etc. And I really don't have the patience to hear from leaders about not being able to access talent, not being able to find people or recruit people, because guess what? You are driving them away. We have women who have training and experience in these fields, and we have with our poor workforce cultures and awful policies around when people do their work and how they do their work, et cetera, that we've driven that talent away. So my call to action there is for leaders to take a look in the mirror. Yes. Hold up the leadership mirror. As in one of our other podcast episodes, leaders, what do you cause? And this is what you're causing. The thing I'm paying attention to, a single issue, no, not a single issue, but the thing that is making my head explode at the moment is a recent Wall Street Journal article saying that women need to play more golf. Fucking hell. Honestly, the article, when you read it, has a couple of nuggets of good advice about strategic networking. But geez, Louise, you know, (laughs) epic fail, epic fail. So we're going to talk about that in future episodes because, oh my goodness, oh my goddess, I am just so wild about it. And I've got to tell you, so many other women are too. I knew you were going to bring it up. I just knew you were going to bring it up. And again, it goes back to Amal's thing about do it your own way. I had a colleague in the very, very early days of leading women who said, you know, not all customers not all people you do business with are men. I take my customers to many petties. We go to spas. We go to shows. It doesn't have to be golf. Amen, sister. Amen. Yeah. Part of, I think, what I'm hearing here, and I read the post and I, it irked at me and sort of like, when I first saw it, it seemed like it was good news story. And then the more research you do, and this is where I think if I would suggest anything, I would say... Even when people tell you research says, go find out who the research is. Like, how many people are we talking about, right? One of the ones that I saw said, and this was like an accomplishment post on Instagram in a business page that said, there are more women CEOs today than there are men called John. And I thought, wow, there's a lot of Johns, I'm assuming, right? So that's like a fantastic story. And then I went and I Googled and I said, how many men are called John in the US, you know, boys or or men? And it's like 3% of the population. And I'm like, we are now making it a big deal and celebrating that 50% of your population who are men are holding 3% of CEO roles. And that's a celebration. So to me, I would say, and this is something Susan said, even I think Mel, you said, even when there is research that comes out, a lot of times it makes you believe that you're in the wrong, right? I've, I've seen many articles about Black women who've said, you know, black women are not are underserved in the workplace. They are leaving the workplace. They're doing this. And I was thinking, well, I'm not leaving. Well, it's not a reflection on me, but a part of me also wanted to relate and be part of that statistic, right? There is always going to be 
research that comes out that says, you know, women need to behave this way or that way, or we find that women are not behaving a certain way, I would say don't believe everything you read on the internet, right? Unless it comes from like a TikTok video, I'm joking, joking. (laughs) right? Like don't believe everything you read, go research, do your own research. And I guess what? There are times when I'm the anomaly and I'm okay with that. There's this great meme that I see from time to time on Instagram. It's a graphic that says, don't believe everything that you read on the internet, Abraham Lincoln. And it takes you a moment and you go, oh, yeah, right. So it's true. Okay, we've got to wrap. Mel, what's coming up? We've got several authors that are coming up as guests that we're really excited about. Bonnie Marcus, the author of The Politics of Promotion and Not Done Yet. So my plan right now is to have two conversations with her because those books are super different topics. Politics of Promotion, just what it sounds like. It's it's a really excellent read. And Not Done Yet is really geared toward women over 50. So kind of reclaiming your confidence and your path and moving forward in a world that is full of gendered ageism. And then we've also got author Tara McMullen coming in. She wrote a book called What Works. And what I've really enjoyed is that part of what Tara explores in the book is how she was diagnosed as an adult with autism and how she used that to come to understand herself better and past behaviors and also to create this new framework for how to think about goal setting in your life, really. I really love the book. I'm excited that we're going to get to have her on the show. So those are a couple of things to look forward to. I'm inviting some other authors in the background. We'll, we'll see who says yes. And next time I get to report back, hopefully I'll have a few more to share. Awesome. And listeners, by the time you listen to this episode, you will have heard, or you may want to go back and listen to the episode with Melanie Ho, the author of Beyond Leaning In. Super, super relevant given what Amal's shared with us today beyond leaning in it's, and it's for women of all career stages, for leaders at every leadership stage. So it's a, it's a beauty and she's a fantastic woman who can, who really sheds some light on the things that are holding women back in workplaces. So there's our 100th episode. Thank you, Mel, Amal, Susan, for being with me, for us being together. This has been absolutely terrific. We're not raising champagne glasses. That's a massive oversight by me. But anyway, a virtual champagne glass, yeah, clink, clink, gin, gin to us for 100 episodes. And here's to 100 more of really making a difference for women in the workplace by going beyond conventional wisdom and giving women access to critical advice that will build their leadership skills and help them advance in the workplace. Susan, Amal, Mel, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you all. Happy 100. Thank you. Happy 100. Thank you. Let's go lead to soar. Here, here. Absolutely. (laughs) Here, here. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.